0: Hello and welcome to Honor and Courage, a podcast dedicated to the renewal and reawakening of American excellence. I'm your host, Albert McKegg, and today we will be talking about the last five military traits for success in any endeavor that I will cover. In two prior podcasts, I covered a total of 10 military traits for success, which in episode 211 are doing hard things, exhibiting personal responsibility, resiliency in overcoming obstacles, knowing and following rules, and physical fitness. Then in episode 212, I added to that store of good character traits, which are punctuality, being organized, personal grooming, integrity, and discipline. Today, I will cover the final five traits, which are mental toughness, having a positive mental attitude, honor, courage, and faith. All of these traits are important to success in almost any endeavor, but they are equally important to the renewal of American excellence by starting with the individual. Only if we as individuals are strong and successful can our country be strong and successful. It all starts with me and you. The first trait today is mental toughness. I think we often see mentally tough people as hard-hearted and perhaps inconsiderate of the feelings of others. They're seen as too purpose-driven and perhaps even lacking empathy. I think that's a misunderstanding of the term, frankly. Mental toughness, to me, is the trait that empowers a person to work through life's challenges with resilience, determination, and a positive mindset. It's the ability to maintain focus, composure, and motivation despite fighting through adversity. A mentally tough person rises to the challenges of encountering obstacles, seeing them as opportunities for growth rather than as barriers to success. One key aspect of mental toughness is emotional resilience. That involves acknowledging and managing our emotions effectively without being overwhelmed by them. That means controlling our anger, controlling our sorrows and our desires and the things that we want. This toughness enables us to bounce back from losses, setbacks, personal confrontations, and to learn from our failures while maintaining a forward-looking perspective. Controlling our anger will keep us from saying and doing things that we may regret on cooler reflection. I'd been in the Army about three years and was serving as the executive officer of a tank company. Our company commander, a well-decorated helicopter pilot in the Vietnam War, who had transferred into heavy armor, suffered a devastating breakdown caused by extreme PTSD from the war. He had been shot down five times over there, wounded twice, and had twice earned the nation's second highest award for valor in combat, the Distinguished Service Cross. He was quite the hero. His breakdown placed me as the acting company commander of our tank company for several weeks as the Army tried to figure out what to do about the commander. As matters wore on, my immediate supervisor, the battalion commander, told me that I would most likely be appointed the permanent company commander, which would be quite an honor for a first lieutenant. We were preparing to deploy the company to Germany as part of a major training exercise, and the work was intense. As I showed up for work one morning at the usual 5.30 a.m., called 05.30, another first lieutenant was sitting at my desk and told me he was the new company commander as he gave me a copy of his orders. Well, to say the least, I was shocked angry and disappointed that I'd been lied to and misled, and I was pretty upset about the way the change of command had been done. I knew the guy, and he was okay, a West Point graduate, in fact. He had been an assistant up at the battalion headquarters. I tried to maintain my composure, but he could tell that I was upset, and he asked me what was going on, so I told him. Well, he was as appalled as I was, but we were both officers, and we knew we had to do our duty. I had to exercise mental toughness to get over the anger and not let it show as I resumed my duties as executive officer. I knew I needed to support the new commander because that was the right thing to do, and he needed the help as he was not as experienced at that point as I was. That took a lot of commitment on my part to get on with the job in the face of those challenges. That's what being mentally tough will do for you. Get on with the job in the face of challenges. A critical component of mental toughness is a strong sense of self-discipline to do what is right in the face of those kinds of challenges. Mentally tough people are goal-setters and stay committed to those personal and organizational goals and maintain a disciplined approach to their duties. They understand that success often requires sustained effort in difficult circumstances and are willing to put in that work even when faced with challenges, disappointment, or distractions. Being mentally tough is a mindset that equips people to confront the trials in life, enabling them to not only endure the challenges, but also to emerge stronger and more capable on the other side. The next trait for success goes along with mental toughness, and that is maintaining a positive mental outlook or attitude. That's easy to say, but when we face challenges and serious obstacles in life, it's hard to do. I think our natural human default is negativity. Health issues, financial problems, setbacks at work, loss, personality conflicts, family disruptions, and and death of loved ones all lead us toward negativity. Negativity poses serious challenges for all of us as we deal with various trying aspects of just living. It undermines our mental and emotional well-being, leading to stress, anxiety, and reduced resilience. Negativity can strain relationships, creating a toxic environment that affects communication and cooperation. In professional settings, it stifles creativity and productivity and hinders progress. Chronic or constant negativity in a person may also contribute to health issues and the input of stress onto others. It is so much better to work on and strive to maintain a positive mental attitude in order to succeed. A positive mental attitude serves as a powerful catalyst for personal growth and our overall well-being. It's the spark driving self-improvement. Maintaining a positive mindset enables us to approach challenges and look for solutions to problems rather than reasons that something can't be done. One winter at Fort Hood, while I was a young platoon leader, we were out on maneuvers when a harsh winter storm hit. While Texas can get awfully hot in the summer, it can get extremely cold in the winter when that north wind and freezing rain comes down from the central plains. And being based in Texas, we were not issued the normal extreme cold weather gear and clothing we would have had if we had been stationed in Germany or even up in Kansas. An ice storm hit, and there was no way we could safely move our tanks into the garrison, so we needed to stay in the field and figure out how to survive. I organized my platoon, and we took our tank tarps, these large oiled canvas sheets about 12 feet by 20 feet in size, and our main gun cleaning rods consisting of long segmented aluminum staffs about 20 feet long, and we built a large platoon tent. We built a small fire on one end, and there we stayed for three days of misery. I had to teach the other two platoons how to build those big tents, and all the while being a positive, motivating leader while I was really freezing cold and miserable. Keeping up a positive mental attitude contributed to our survival during a very challenging time. A positive mental attitude contributes to emotional well-being during those challenging times by reducing anxiety and worry. When faced with adversity, those with a positive outlook are more likely to see those setbacks as temporary and surmountable, minimizing the impact of the negative consequences on the individual and on the organization. Positivity is contagious, and people with an optimistic outlook tend to inspire and uplift those around them. People like to be around positive people. They don't like to associate with someone who is always pointing out the negative or moaning about something. Being positive contributes to a more effective social environment, strengthening our connections with other people and promoting a sense of teamwork and community. In the professional realm, a positive mental attitude is often directly related to increased productivity and success. In essence, a positive mental attitude is not just beneficial, it is an absolute necessity for leading a fulfilling and meaningful life with honor and courage. The title of this podcast series is Honor and Courage, so naturally, in my final five military traits for success, I have included both honor and courage among those traits. Personal honor is an inner code of conduct that reflects a person's commitment to ethical principles, integrity, and moral uprightness. It goes far beyond external and outward appearances of the person we want to be seen as, but is rooted in a person's internal values and beliefs. Honorable people have a built-in sense of honesty, fairness, and accountability in their actions, even when faced with difficult choices. It includes treating others with respect and dignity, keeping promises, and taking responsibility and ownership of our decisions, regardless of the consequences. I was faced with a tough dilemma one time when one of my tank commanders, a sergeant, stole some tools from one of the tanks in our sister company. Back then, budgets were tight and our tank tools could be broken, lost, worn out, or stolen. The sergeant did his deed one night whenever he was on night duty and hid the tools in his tank. The man's platoon sergeant found out about the theft and told me about it, believing that I would be pleased with the man's initiative in getting tools to work on his tank. Well, I agonized over this issue for three days trying to decide what to do. I was a young platoon leader and was trying to support my men and especially my sergeants. I finally decided to have the man return the tools the same way he took them, and that would be the end of it. My platoon sergeant wasn't happy, but he issued the orders to get it done. The tools were returned, but that really wasn't the end of it. To me, to this day, I know that I committed a moral failure by not doing what was right immediately after learning of the situation. It was then that I began to develop my personal code of conduct that says, to know what is right and to fail to do that which is right is the worst form of cowardice. To this day, that failure on my part, along with my personal honor code, guides my decisions on those kinds of tough issues. Personal honor is one of the key principles for building trust and credibility in both personal and professional relationships. It extends to how we conduct ourselves in all situations, demonstrating a consistency between our words and our deeds. Honorable behavior often includes putting the greater good above personal gain. Maintaining personal honor requires having a commitment to self-improvement in how we think and how we act. In essence, personal honor is a universal concept that transcends cultural or social boundaries. What is right is right all the time in all circumstances. Courage is another trait that is often associated with the military, but it is applicable to all walks of life. So what is personal courage? To me, that's something that is very internal to us and generally impacts us as an individual. Personal courage can certainly affect others, but it is based upon our internal choices. The Army defines personal courage as facing fear, danger, or adversity, both physical or moral adversity. Personal courage also means that facing moral adversity may be a long, slow process of continuing forward on the right path, especially if taking those actions is not popular with others. Personal courage is not the absence of fear. Rather, it is the ability to put fear aside and do what is necessary and right. Personal courage takes two forms, physical courage and moral courage. Physical courage is the bravery that allows a soldier to take risk in combat in spite of the fear of wounds or death. Physical courage is what gets the firefighter into the house when the flames are high and the smoke is thick. Of the two forms of courage, in my opinion, moral courage is the toughest, and we all deal with it in both our personal and professional lives. Moral courage enables us to stand up for what we believe is right, regardless of the circumstances or consequences. The person who takes responsibility for his or her decisions and actions, even when things go haywire displays moral courage. Morally courageous people are willing to look critically inside themselves, consider new ideas, and change what needs changing. Courageous people don't fear change, but embrace new ways of doing things and new ideas for productivity. With most examples of physical courage, we don't have a lot of time to think about it. We may train to do something or take some action, but the decision to do it in the real world comes on us quickly. On the other hand, in almost all instances of moral courage, we do have time to think about it, to think about the consequences, to think about what happens after, to think about the impact on others as well as ourselves. We have a chance to look into the future if you want to look at it that way and see what's going to happen if we stick by our guns and do the right thing. And that's hard. A person known for his or her moral courage will gain respect, will gain loyalty, and will gain positions of leadership and authority because they will be known as someone who will stand firm in the face of adversity. And our final military trait for success is faith. I would guess you're wondering how faith comes into play with military traits. Well, it does because I see faith as having three components. First, we have to believe in ourselves or have faith in ourselves. If we're going to succeed in almost any endeavor, we have to have faith in ourselves. That isn't narcissism, but an understanding of what we are truly able to do. Narcissism, on the other hand, is a personality trait of excessive focus on one's own self, one's own needs and desires. Faith in oneself, on the other hand, is a belief in our abilities and potential based on what we know about ourselves. It's a fundamental cornerstone for achieving goals and getting things done. Having faith in oneself instills confidence and courage, enabling us to confront challenges with determination and optimism based not only on our attitude, but also on our training, our experience, and our collective wisdom. This inner conviction serves as a strong force during times of challenges or uncertainty and allows us to persevere in the face of adversity and setbacks. Faith in ourself involves knowing our strength while always looking for opportunities for improvement. It is self-assurance which not only enhances our decision-making process, but also promotes a sense of authenticity and purpose projected to others. Faith in oneself helps us to achieve our goals with the self-assurance needed to overcome obstacles. Coupled with faith in ourselves, the second concept of faith is that we must develop a faith in others or trust in others. This is often hard to do because people can and do let us down. They fail to understand mission needs or don't grasp the purpose of any given situation. Developing faith or trust in others is a gradual process essential to having meaningful personal or professional connections. It involves an open-mindedness to believe in and encourage the reliability, integrity, and goodwill of those around us. Building trust requires communication transparency, and the demonstration of shared values and goals. Overcoming our natural skepticism and creating trust in others includes having balance between opening up ourselves to others and the more natural tendency toward isolation. Trust in others often means we need to know what motivates other people, know their level of training, know the extent of their commitment to a job or a project or the organization. That means we have to get to know the people around us, not only in a business setting, but often in social or personal settings actively listening Empathizing and observing other people's actions contribute to building the foundation of trust in others. Celebrating shared successes and getting through challenges together reinforces this bond. Trust is not instantaneous, but it evolves over time through shared experiences, each person demonstrating reliability and the team aligning its actions with its words. Cultivating trust in others enriches relationships, it fosters and promotes cooperation, and creates an environment that is conducive to personal and organizational growth and success. It's a dynamic process that, when nurtured, forms a bedrock for joint endeavors and enduring connections in the family, friendships, and work environments. Finally, the third concept of faith is this, our faith in the true and living God. What does your faith mean to you? Better yet, do you have a believer's faith that Jesus Christ is Lord? Here's a poem I wrote many years ago. It goes like this. When troubles chase and haunt me and Satan gives me chase, Jesus saves and keeps me through everlasting grace. When the pain of strife fills up my life and tries to break my spirit, my faith in Christ will take its place so that never I shall fear it. It's only through my faith in you that gets me through each day. So please, dear Lord, just give me strength to bend my knees and pray. And if ever I forget the truth that faith shall make me free, I pray, O Lord, remind me and bring me back to Thee. As I thought about doing this episode, I was tempted to take the easy way out and say something so eminently profound and so totally trite, such as, it doesn't matter which faith you worship so long as you worship in some faith. Well, I was specifically thinking of Islam, Judaism, Buddhism, or such, but not in denominational terms, which I often think is only marginal relevance. Then I said to myself, wait a minute, what did that poem say? That poem says that Jesus saves and keeps me. Not Mohammed, not Buddha, not the sun god, not some cow, but Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the living, risen from the grave, son of God. And if I believe that, I have no choice but to say that, not voice some vacuous platitude. You know, I can already see some of you reacting as I see the light beginning to dim as you get ready to go to the next episode in an attempt to shut out the mention of God and religion. This podcast is about life and living and taking back America with honor and courage, not about somebody's personal religion. Well, yes, it is about life and living and about American excellence and taking back America from the radical left. But life and living have everything to do with God, and God has everything to do with life and living with honor and courage. In this post-Christian era in which we find ourselves, our country has a great need of God. This campaign to take back America from the radical left must be founded upon God, God in His holiness, His love, His forgiveness, and equally important, His judgment. Without God, this would not be a campaign to take back America, but a campaign to destroy America from within, just as the radical left is attempting to do with its agenda and policies. I am a Christian, and I will not give that up for anyone. That is a matter of conscience. Being a Christian and having principles does not mean that we will not accept and give Christian love to those of differing views or differing faiths either. Our country was founded on the principle that, although the Judeo-Christian ethic is the preferred choice, there is room in America for other beliefs. However, and this is extremely important... As a foundation of our national character and a core essential to this campaign of taking back America, we should never alter our society and make accommodations for other beliefs to the point that we have no core beliefs left as a nation. Allowing our nation to struggle with being politically correct, moral relativism, multiculturalism, the hyphenated American syndrome, all work to the destruction of our national character, Character, once lost, is not easily regained. I believe that unbridled acceptance of diversity will lead to a conflict in our own personal moral and ethical codes. I think that it is imperative to understand the difference between a matter of opinion and a matter of principle. Taking back America with honor and courage is not a revolution of the nation, but a revolution of the individual. Basing our actions, thoughts, feelings, and attitudes on our faith in Jesus and His teachings will allow us to reawaken and renew excellence in America with honor and courage. If you're serious about the future, begin to implement the changes in your own life right now that recognize the role of God in our lives. Strive to attain a higher level of morality and integrity. Faith is the foundation for that. Faith is the only firm anchor we can count on. When all else has faded, passed away, or decayed, the only thing remaining is faith. So there you have it, 15 military traits for success in almost any endeavor. I can tell you that while I recognize and try to apply all of those traits in my life every day, that effort is an ongoing and continuing process of two or three steps forward and maybe one or two steps back. We all get better at doing something with repetition and time, and the same is true for developing and implementing these 15 traits for success in almost any endeavor. Best of luck to you as you continue to move forward with honor and courage in doing the things you do in your life. I'll see you next time right here. Until then, may God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace.